0: everybody, and welcome to this edition of the first and foremost sports podcast. I am your host, the one and only Quentin Douglas. And I'm Jimmy Covington, the the great one. (laughs) What's up, man? How you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing
1: good, man. Just got back to the borough a little earlier today. So, you know, we ready to get packed up to move out.
0: But other than that, I've been chilling, bro. What about you? Yes, sir. I'm feeling pretty good, my boy. Feeling pretty good. Well, without further ado, you ready to get into it? Yes, sir. All right, man. So, first up on deck, every offseason in the NFL, we know guys are trying to set the market with contract extensions and make some money. So, recently, running back Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans signed a four-year, $50 million deal. Jimmy, what are your thoughts?
1: I think it's, you know, it's a great deal for him and for the Titans organization. Uh, John Robinson has done a tremendous job building their team. And, you know, the way they signed that deal, it, it allowed – it freed up an extra $4 million of cap space for this season. You know, they, they're targeting and Clowney too. So, you know, they had enough cap space to sign him too. So, we'll see where that goes. But it's a great deal. I mean, led the league in rushing last year. Tied for first in touchdowns. We saw what he did in the playoffs until they played Kansas City. But the man is a is a monster. He's 6'3", 247 pounds, you know, can run away from guys, can run you over. Got the mean and the stiff arm in the game. And he, he's just a flat-out monster. And, you know, he accounted for a lot of their offense last year. He accounted for 69% of the rush yards and about 27% of the total yards last year. So, you know, he's a big part of what they like to do, a uh, big part of their culture down there in Tennessee. Uh, he's, a, he's, a work, he's a workaholic. You know, you see his workout videos. You know, he's he's a monster. You know, he's a he's a true pro, constant pro. You know, last year he had 1,540 rush yards, 16 touchdowns. He's not much of you know a threat in terms of the receiving game. You know, the Titans don't target him too much. He only had 18 catches last year, uh, but he did did have over 200 receiving yards. Uh, I think you know when you think about. The game's best backs, you know, you think of guys like Christian McCaffrey, and you think of Zeke, and Saquon, you know, and you know, Alvin Kamara, and all those guys catch passes, but Derek Henry, he's one of those guys that doesn't really catch passes. Uh, I don't, I'm sure he can catch the ball. I just don't think the Titans decide enough to use him in that manner. But you know, in his career, he has 3,800 rush yards, uh, 38 touchdowns, uh, only 800 attempts. Uh, so he hasn't run the ball once he split. In the first two years, he pretty much split time. And so I think this, this preserved, you know, pretty help him preserve his body. But one thing, you know, I noticed when with Derrick Henry is that he gets stronger as the game goes on. And uh, you know, he had nine hundred and ninety-seven yards and fourteen touchdowns in the second half of games this year. And that's tremendous. You know, the 14 touchdowns is absolutely ridiculous. A lot of guys, you know, never reach that number, you know, in general in any season. And he reached it in the second half of games and nine hundred and ninety seven yards. That's ridiculous. So it goes to show you that, you know, you can continue to give him the rock. He's going to produce. And the Titans are 13-0 and when he has 100-plus rush yards. So it's letting you know that if you give him his touches, you're going to win games. Uh, and, you know, and in the postseason, same formula. They're 3-2 and two with him in the postseason. With games when he has over 20 carries and over 100 yards, they're 3-0. and uh, In the games when he has less than 100 yards, they're 0-2. So, you know. He's a monster. You know, just give him the ball. The formula for Tennessee, give him the ball, play some good defense. Let Tannehill make a few plays here and there. They got A.J. Brown. They got Janu Smith. Corey Davis should come on. But, you know, added Darrington Evans, you know, to get, you know, to spell Derrick Henry a little bit. You know, so, you know, hey, it's a great deal for him. Uh, I'm happy for him.
0: Yeah, man. I don't think I really disagree with anything you said. Uh, You know, for me, I felt this was a deal that the Titans had to get done. You know, especially after paying Ryan Tannehill, who had just came to town this year, because I was like, it was no way you could pay Ryan Tannehill and not Derrick Henry. Uh, But, you know, like you said, I mean, he's pretty much been the majority of the Titans offense for like about two seasons now, if I can remember correctly, because, you know, he was splitting time with guys like DeMarco Murray, Deion Lewis uh, before now. But, you know, talent-wise, he's easily, for me, probably, you know, top four or five running back in the league. I think the only guys i probably definitively definitively take over Derrick Henry right now, probably Christian McCaffrey, of course, uh, Saquon Barkley, and probably Zeke. Uh, There's a few other guys, maybe Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, who could be pretty good. But I think I'll take Derrick Henry over those guys. Uh, but, you know, the Titans have really, especially this last season, for any other running back, they would have been running to the ground. Like, no other guy could have took a beat in the way Derrick Henry has. Because, uh, look, I think past two seasons combined, he's nearly at about 600 touches. So, like, that, that's a lot. That's a heavy workload. Uh, but like you threw in, also, the way they structured this deal – uh, which I think he really did, it was his part of doing. Um, it added $4 million in cap space, which I've seen uh, also that they could possibly, you know, go after a guy like Jadavian Clowney, which I think could possibly, you know, make this team a dark horse Super Bowl contender. Um, but, you know, back to Derrick Henry, dude, last season he was a monster. You know, in my opinion, I think he was a top four MVP candidate, to be honest with you especially, like you said, second half of the season. You know, a guy that big, defenses don't want to tackle a dude like that. I mean, he literally made Earl Thomas his lead blocker in the playoffs. So having a dude that's like six three two forty seven, 247, like he's, he's a, a, you know, a rare breed. You don't see many guys like that. Uh, so, you know, I pretty much agree that this is a deal that had to get done, like I said.
1: You know, another thing I want to mention uh, in terms of postseason numbers, he has three games with over 150 rush yards in the postseason. And we all know in the postseason, you know, game plans get a little better. Uh, you know, it gets a little colder. And, you know, it's all about the physicality and it's all about the trenches. So, it's, you know, just to know that he continues to ball out like that, even when the stakes are high, you know, Tennessee, you know, got a great they – got, they got a bang for their buck, I say that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's been the stigma going around the league, you know, don't pay a running back. But if there's anybody, I feel like Derrick Henry is the one guy that can handle that workload, you know, year in and year out. Because, I mean, he's been doing this since high school. He was having games. He had, like, 40 rushing attempts a game. So, like, the dude's a monster. (laughs) But – Moving on to our next NFL topic, you know, we've seen star players take to Twitter. Their concerns over the league, you know, ignoring player safety with regards to returning to training camp and having a season this year. Uh, So, Jimmy, how concerned should we be about the NFL season?
1: Well, you know, when we first, you know, when we were making out our topics list, I was extremely concerned, but, you know, over the last two days, you know, uh, things have improved drastically. So, you know, since we first put this topic on the board, you know, the NFL, they have now offered no preseason games uh, for the players to accept. And then they also agreed to do daily testing uh, for the first two weeks of training camp. And that's something that the players are big on. And at first, the owners didn't want to budge on that daily testing. so you know, that's, that's a step in the right direction. Uh, rookie's reported today, actually, I believe. So you know, I'm still unsure of you know about what kind of protocols that you know have been set forth I don't really know too much about that, but I mean, the players have expressed that they want to play. Uh, that's pretty much it's pretty plain and simple. But I you know I think one thing is you know they want to protect the family and they want to protect themselves. So you know, I think they're you know they want to have more a more strict protocol going forward. You know, and you know ultimately you know everybody reports on July 28th and, you know, players get finally to come. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see next week, this time, you know, who came and who didn't come. And I think one thing, you know, players aren't ready right now in terms of, like, physically, I don't, I don't think they're ready. I think I've seen some players work their concerns about not being ready. And I've also seen the coaches being concerned about, you know, the lack of preseason games. You know, that's usually where – you have a few practices, you don't get to really get to see a guy in practice give reps, but you know, he comes out and balls at a preseason game. So now you don't have that guy. You know what I'm saying? And I think they're proposing to limit the of number of training cap slots from ninety to eighty. So that's gonna it's gonna mm-hmm. hurt some guys, you know, in terms of getting them a chance to make a roster. So I think that's pretty interesting too. But you know, I just want, you know, I just want the players to be safe and I just want to see some football in the off season. I mean, we've seen what the NBA has been able to do. You know, the first week they have had no positive COVID tests, which is amazing. 346 players. That's that's amazing. And I think I saw something earlier where it said there is, I think, been 59 players in the NFL test positive for COVID, and that's down from 95. That was previously stated at 95. So I think mean, that's that's improved a little bit. But I think you know they need you know stricter protocols because you know. I want to know, like, what happens when a player tests positive? So, you know, does everybody stop practice in quarantine? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm a little disappointed in that fashion that we don't really know too much about what's going on. and Apparently the players don't know much either. You know, I saw J.J. Watt tweet, you know, you know and he had wrote something in his notes talking about what they didn't know, what they did know. You know, Richard Sherman has echoed the same sentiments. You know, Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, uh, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes have all, you know, said the same thing. So, you know, I'm I'm just as interested as everybody else is. And, you know, I hope – hopefully there's going to be a season next year. This year, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, like you originally stated, I think, you know, my viewpoint on this changed, you know, from when we originally made the topic a few days ago. Because I wasn't going to lie. At first, you know, seeing all the tweets and stuff and, you know, the caliber of the players that were making the tweets, I was like, dang, are we going to really have an NFL season this year? But, you know, um, I think, you know, really what the NFL is doing, you know, they were like the one main league that wasn't under operation when everything, when the breakout occurred, uh, you know, like the NFL, MLB, and all the other sports were. Uh, But, you know, what I think they're kind of trying to do, you know, seeing, you know, college football, high school football, all the other leagues, how they're conducting practices, which I think that that part's pretty much not a concern at this point. I think it's really how they're going to go about, you know, conducting game day operations. And I believe what they may be doing is waiting to see, you know, how the bubble goes with the NBA. Um, the MLB is supposed to be start. They've already started scrimmaging, actually. Uh, So, you know, seeing how those games play out. But, you know, with the NFL Players Association, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how there's so much gray area because, you know, with the players tweeting out, that shows that there's clearly, you know, some friction between the two sides. So, you know, that's what originally made me think, you know, that we wouldn't have a season. but I think with the owners, you know, they'll probably be trying to find players for trying to sit out, things like that. And, you know, you've already mentioned that obviously the players do want to play themselves because, I mean, the hashtag was we want to play. So I think that's pretty much, you know, it's in the bag that there will be an NFL season. But, you know, it's just a matter of the protocol, which at this point, the NFL really hasn't said much. But I don't know. I'll probably give them to end of July, early August. And I think that they'll probably have the act together by then.
1: Hopefully. Because, uh, like I said, I, I don't know what I'd do without an NFL season. <laughs> I've never – you know, we've never had – we've never had not had an NFL season uh, since
0: we've been alive. So, you know,
1: I'd be devastated. I might even shed a few tears if we didn't have an NFL
0: season. Right. I think the closest we've had is, what, the 2011 NBA lockout season? And you it was, what, like a 60s? Yeah,
1: oh. still play 66 games, so. And right, it, so it, still, it.
0: still a majority. <laughs> it, like Which I said. We don't care about that anyway. Uh, we right. You know
1: with the NFL, every single game is
0: important. Right.
1: So I need, yeah, I need, so I need,
0: that. All 16 of those, I got to say, I need them. Especially me, because. The 49ers, I'm, we trying to get back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I, you know, and I, got, I think huh? – I'll go ahead. And I think we're actually one of the few teams that got better this off season. So, I feel like we got to be the NFC favorites to get back there.
1: I can't disagree with that. You know, I got this Sunday ticket. So, you know, I need all my games.
0: <laughs> I'm definitely going to invest in it this year if we go to the season.
1: One of the best investments I could have made, man.
0: <laughs> I'm going to be right on board. I'm going to get that league pass, too. Definitely got to get the league pass. Might as well. All right, man. So, speaking of league pass, moving on to some NBA topics. Uh, you know, Philadelphia 76ers, they've had a few playoff disappointments over the past two or three seasons. We do know of their two star players, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, so, Jimmy, if you were the general manager of the 76ers, would you build around Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons? Well,
1: Quentin, I think this is extremely easy for me, and I'm going with Ben Simmons. I don't see how you wouldn't. He's a six 6'10", 230-pound point guard. He's a two-time all-star with career averages 16 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, nearly two steals, and a block per game. And he's shooting 56% from the uh, but we know his one inherent weakness, inherent weakness, is his shooting. Uh, he shoots less than nine uh, from percent from the three-point line for his career.
0: <laughs> not nine percent, not even double digits, bro. It's eight
1: point <laughs> seven, <laughs> <8. laughs> and he shoots 59% from the free throw line, which it, it has improved. Uh, you know, from year to, his free throw shooting has improved from year to year. I think the last 12 games in this season, he was shooting around 72, percent And, uh, you know, the one thing with Ben Simmons is he's pretty – outside of that first year where he missed the whole season with a foot, he's been pretty much pretty healthy. Uh, he, uh, he's been able to play a possible 229 games he's played, and he started 214 out of those. And uh, he missed, you know, I think 11 games this year. So, you know. he's a back injury. So, yeah, he, uh, he's pretty much on the court all the time. And when he plays, since he's been, you know, a starter or whatever, they have a 61% – they have won 61% of their games, which is, you know, a pretty great clip of winning, you know. And, you know, he's one of three players to average 16, 8, and 8 at ages 24 or younger. And guess who – and, you know, there's two other guys that's in their company. and Both of those guys are Hall of Famers. Magic Johnson, who many consider the greatest point guard of all time, and the big O, Oscar Robertson. So he's in pretty great company there. I mean, if you look, want to look at his strengths, you know, playmaking is obviously one of his strengths. Ball handling, especially for a guy that big, he's a defensive monster. I, he can legitimately guard one through the five. He has a high IQ. You can see with his highlight reel passes, you know, his court vision. His fast break scoring ability is second to none. And, like I said, availability. You know, the best ability, you know, you've heard all the time is availability. He's pretty much available all the time. And, like I said, his one weakness is his shooting. Uh, You know, I think – no, I think the thing with Ben Simmons is if Ben Simmons could be an average shooter, he's the MVP. Easily. Easily the MVP, easily. easily. You know, but he doesn't – you know, he doesn't attempt shots. So, you know, jump shots, I would say. So, you know, we'll never know until he starts shooting threes. He needs to start – he needs to at least start attempting them. You know, that will keep teams honest. Uh, You know, I play – Against Philadelphia, I play them like they play them in real life. They give them the jump shot. And if you, makes it, <laughs> you make it, if Philly, you know if Philly, beats you, with you, it. you know, if Philly beats you from shooting jump shots, you know, with being serious, then you know, it just what you just wasn't destined to win. But you know, I think it's easily being Simmons. And if you look at Joe Embiid, one of the most talented players in the game, not talented, big Me, one of the most talented players, period. Uh, seven foot. They list him at 250 pounds, but he looks like he's has about 275, 280. He's a three-time, Dude, all-star, three-time all-star, two-time all-NBA performer, and two-time all-defensive team. He has career average of 24, 11 and a half, three assists, nearly a steal, and nearly two blocks per game. But the thing with Joel Embiid is he's not available all the time. You know, he's rarely available. He's been – he missed his first two years in full because of, you know, a foot injury. Uh, but since then, he's, he's had a possible 328 games. He's only played 202 of those games. Uh, but they have the exact same winning percentage with him in the lineup, which is 61.8%, the same as Vincent. So, you know, when he's there, they're going to win, you know, a nice sizable amount of games. And But I think one thing with, you know, in, in, if you want to look at his strength, you know, his strength, he's great in the post. He's a great rim protector, great rebounder. He has high skill level on offense, and he's a great free throw shooter for his size. But you want to look at his weaknesses, his efficiency is what stands out to me. I don't think a guy that big should be shooting under 50% from the field. I think that's, that's completely ridiculous. You know, sometimes, you know, you see him settle for jump shots with, you know, Shaq and Charles Brockley. They get on his case about that all the time. I think he he's a low post beast. That's what he is. And I think the farthest he should be shooting is the mid-range, 17, 18-footer. He does not need to be attempting threes. He's shooting around 30% from – no. He's shooting 32% from three for his career, which is below average. So if you're a below-average three-point shooter, you don't need to be attempting four or five threes a game. That's that's counterproductive. Uh, and I think, I think one thing else that bothers me is his mentality. I don't always feel like, you know, he wants to be there or he wants to play. I don't feel like he wants to dominate. I feel like, you know, if he had the mentality of a Shaq or a Charles Barkley, or Giannis, he probably would be the best player in the league. And I think that's what, that's what turns me off for Joel Embiid. You know, his, his injury prone and his mentality is what, you know, what really, you know, ticks him over the edge for me.
0: And that's why I'm deciding to roll with Ben Simmons. Yeah, bro. Uh, You know, we pretty much agree on this, uh, but you know, I'm approaching from a different angle. So I won't repeat, you know, everything you said, but, uh, but, you know, with centers, I mean, in today's NBA, the way it's trending, you can't win an NBA championship with a roster built around the center. I mean, we haven't seen a center as the best player on a championship team since, what, the the Lakers with Shaq, uh, you know, the Rockets with Hakeem back in the 90s. I mean, other than that, you some people, you know, count Tim Duncan as a center, but, you know, He's really a power forward, so I don't really count him with the Spurs. Uh, but, you know, the biggest obstacle for being, I believe, you know, at the 76ers is obviously poor roster construction. Uh, you know, I don't really know what Elton Brand was thinking last offseason, you know, by signing Al Horford and then extend, <laughs> extending Tobias Harris. Like, come on, you could have got Paul George because clearly he wanted to be out of OKC. You could have got, I mean, even free agents like like a guy like Danny Green, a Seth Curry, anybody that could shoot, honestly. That's all you really need to surround Ben Simmons with because, I mean, with shooters, Ben Simmons would probably look just like how Giannis is looking in Milwaukee right now. Like you said, he could easily be an MVP candidate. Like, I, I really don't get it, which brings me to another point. I don't think the biggest problem is Embiid or Ben Simmons. I think it's Brett Brown, and I think he needs to get out of town if they don't get past the second round of the playoffs this year. But that's another topic for another day. Oh, <laughs> But, you know, you know, Embiid's clearly no screw, you know, talent-wise. To me, he's the second-best player in the Eastern Conference behind Giannis. But, you know, up to this point in his career, you pointed out how injury-prone he is. He also has yet to show a dedication to getting in better shape. Like you said, he's about 270, 280. And, you know, know, pace-wise, Ben Simmons, he thrives in transition, you know, running up and down the court, a team, you know. He can get out and run and kick out the shooters. And that's just not in B's game. Uh, and I think really that's what hurts him be. He feels like, you know, he has to fit into that and try to be a stretch big when if you're that big, you need to get your butt down in the post, call for the ball, and just yam on somebody head the way Shaq used to. But I just don't see, you know, that alpha mentality in Embiid like that. And then on top of that, you're supposed to be the leader of the team. But, you know, as far as him diving for loose balls, you know, just getting dirty, doing the dirty work, he shows that on an inconsistent basis. Uh, So, you know, although they were a Kawhi buzzer away from the Eastern Conference Finals last year, like I said, I believe if they don't get past the second round in the playoffs, you got to consider some moves somewhere, (laughs) somewhere.
1: Get Brett Brown out of
0: here, man. Man, you know, Brett Brown's a good coach, but I think he's pretty much he's capped out in Philly, man. It's time to move on.
1: Yeah, yeah, he has. And you know, we being sent like imagine, you know, if Miami was stupid enough to trade uh, bam out of bio
0: for going L and B. That'll never happen though. <laughs> imagine, imagine how crazy how nasty that would be. That'd be a much better fit than it be, though. They go to the finals. I don't know about all that.
1: You want to think because you want to know. Okay, so you you have to go through either Milwaukee or Boston, right? Right. So they with Giannis and and Ben Simmons. I mean, with Ben Simmons and and Bam Adebayo, they're beating the books. Let's keep it real.
0: Okay. Maybe. Maybe.
1: You know, I I saw Bam. I watched Miami versus you know. The Bucks this year, and bam, put them clamps on Giannis.
0: He do, he do be clapping Giannis though. I give him credit for that. He be, he be balling out.
1: Yeah, you throw Ben out there too. You know, whoever <laughs> me ain't in his way, so you know he the alpha. Though, you know, throw Ben out there, let Ben do his thing, bro. Like you know, they be scary. But you know, this ain't this ain't 2K. This is real life, and we both, we, it's not happening. No sir, not right. yeah, that, that, that. That was an easy choice though. I think you know that was really, yeah, yeah. Choice, you know. If Joel Embiid played 70, 75 games a year, man, okay, I'd be cool going with Embiid, but he's not available. Nah. He's not available. And then, you know, he's injured mm. all the time. And, you know, efficiency, like I said, and just his mentality. I don't, you know, I don't like his mentality. You know, he said nah. he, he said he really wasn't a big fan of playing in the bubble, but he's going to come. That's his job. That's not the right attitude. I don't, I've heard, you know, outside of like every rally deciding to sit out.
0: You know, I've heard no guy straight up say they really didn't want to play. Like, where's your passion? Like, why are you out here if you?
1: Exactly. If
0: you truly want to play. <laughs> exactly. You know, I don't know, man. But you know, right. Joel, Yeah. Man. And just you know, at this point, what is he? Twenty five, twenty six already. Yeah. Like he, he's pretty much stuck in his way. There ain't nothing really gonna change. And health wise, I mean, that his size and being a seven footer. You know, unfortunately, that probably won't get any better either. So I don't know, man. But yeah, I'm definitely rolling with my guy Ben. You oh, yeah. know, if it's not, I said on on Twitter and Facebook, I believe that I personally think Jason Tatum's gonna be the best player in the league in three or four years.
1: Definitely.
0: But if it's not Jason Tatum, if Ben Simmons can get a jump shot, it's oh, it's yeah. probably definitely gonna be Ben Simmons. I think is an average jump set. <laughs> Which I only pick Jason Tatum because he he can do it all on offense. So, you know.
1: That's a defensive versatility too.
0: Yes, sir. That his defense definitely underrated.
1: Definitely.
0: definitely. But man, while we're on the topic of all these Easter conference teams, man, uh, you know, I think we saw something. You know, talking about the Miami Heat, you know, they've been sneaking up on a lot of people this year in the Eastern Conference. So, Jimmy, you know, being led by Jimmy Butler, do you think the Heat could actually come out of the East this year?
1: I'm going to say yes. I do believe they could. You know, that team, you know, led by Jimmy Butler, well, that team is surprised me and surprised teams run a league. You know, Jimmy Butler's an all-star. Bam Adebayo broke out his first time all-star. And I was most impressed with Bam Adebayo. I mean, we know what Jimmy Butler was but Bam. You know, 16, 10 boards, five assists, uh, still in the block game. Uh, that man does it all on the court. Like I said, I mentioned, we've seen him clamp up Giannis, and Giannis is probably going to be the MVP for a second year in a row. So, you know, that speaks volumes. I think with the Miami Heat, you know, they have an interesting team. Uh, They have eight guys, I want to to say, that average double figures per game. And that's amazing. So, you know, that's a lot of balanced scoring right there. And Jimmy Bowler tops tops out with only 20 points per game. You know, most, you know, when you look at most championship contenders, they got a guy averaging at least 24, 25 points a game. And Jimmy Bowler's only averaging 26 and 6. You know, they're 15th in points per game. And, you know, in their, you know, 16th in rebounds, they're 5th in assists, so they, they do pass the rock. Uh, that's one thing I like about them. But I think, you know, what will what hurt them against the Bucks would be a lack of shot block. And they only average about four and a half blocks a game, which is good for 23rd. I don't think that will get the job done. Uh, but, you know, they, they do have a closer on Jimmy Butler. And I think one thing the Bucks don't have is a closer. Uh, I wouldn't consider Giannis a closer. I think, you know, when it comes to crunch time, I think Giannis turns into more of a pure center. Uh, when it's crush time. Because the only thing I see Giannis do is a year old step in the dump. That's about it. I don't see no jump shots. You know, I see occasional occasional up and under or step through or something like that. But, you know, his offensive bag is not deep at all. I don't
0: think he's deep enough his him. handle's not even that good. And one thing, you know, I was about this, uh, you
1: know, a couple years ago, Jason Kidd had no way the point guard. Yeah. He was averaging like – I remember that. He was having like six and seven and six games. I don't know what happened, you know, in between that time and now. I think his handles like kind of got worse, which is kind of weird. Maybe you know, I may not watching the Bucks game. I don't know. Maybe I might be telling on the side of my neck or something. But you know, it's just, just I, I, just, I feel like his handles got a little worse, which is kind of weird. Uh, but I, I want to say that you know, Miami, they're twenty-seven and five at home. Uh, they were great at home this year. They were fourteen and fifteen on the road. You know, most teams in the NBA aren't good on the road. Uh they're slightly below average on the road. They, they their road record is a little worse than you might want want it to be for a contender. Uh, but you know, nonetheless, they're four and two against the top three season Asian conference. So, you know what I'm saying? It lets you know they can play can play with the big dogs and beat the big dogs on any given night. They're sixth in offensive rating, they're twelfth in defensive rating. I think, you know, one thing that's kind of weird, they're 27th in pace. Um, uh, you look at a team with Jimmy Butler, you know, Goran Dragic, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Arrow, Duncan Robinson, you know, Bam Adebayo. You they play a much faster pace, but they don't. But when you think about the NBA playoffs, you know, the game is slowed down. You know, plays. You know, being able to run offensive sets. I think all of that matters. And I think you know, Coach Spo, that they're uniquely suited for half court offense. You know, based on their pace. But they're great against uh, teams with a winning record. They're 14-10 against teams with a 500-and-above record. And I want to say that's the second-best record in the league behind the books, I think. Like I said, they're great in close games. They're 8-1 in overtime games. Uh, you know, they're 6-3. They've been the overtime nine times. <laughs> yeah. They're 6-3 three in three-point games. Uh, and they have three players with PERs over 15. And 15 is the average. So, they have, you know, they have some good players on the roster. For those of you who don't know what P R is, player efficiency rate. Like I said, average is 15. So they got three players with over 15, you know, PER, Like I said, it was just pretty good. I think, you know, the strength of the team, three-point shooting, of course, uh, versatility, the ability to close. And I think their team is filled with a bunch of dogs. You know, when you got Bam and Jimmy in the lineup, and then you got Kendrick Nunn, who's a rookie. He showed out. Well, not a rookie, second-year player. He bought out. You know, you got Andre Iguodala coming.
0: No, he was a rookie.
1: No, he's second year, I think so, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Nah, cause he was him and him and John had a little Twitter exchange about rookie of the year. Sure did.
1: I'm sorry. I am thinking about somebody else. But you know, when you got Kendrick Nunn and Bam and Jimmy and Iguodala off the bench, you got Jay Crowder, you got guys like that. You know, those guys are tough guys, they're dogs. You know, you know, one thing about I would say about sports, you can never have enough dogs. But I think, you know, when you want to look at the weaknesses, you know, I would say they have no true superstar. Uh, I wouldn't really consider Jimmy Bowler a superstar, but he's a star. I would say that. But, you know, I think with the makeup of the team, they don't really necessarily need a superstar. And, uh, you know, I think, like I said, we mentioned earlier, the weakness is rim protection. You know, the four-and-a-half blocks, you know, that's that's extremely low. But if you think about it, you know, BAM is only 6'9". You know, they're starting powerful can't be too and much taller. And I don't know, Derek Jones spent some time at, you know, Power Four. He's only six seven. You know, Jay Crowder is Power Four. He's only six six. I mean, you have you have Myers Leonard and Kelly come off the bench. They're both seven footers, but they aren't shot blockers. You know what I'm saying? So I think that will hurt them against somebody like Milwaukee, but you know, they've Milwaukee twice this year. So, you know, and if you want to look at them against, you know, I think Milwaukee is a better – is an easier matchup for them versus Boston because Boston, you know what I'm saying, they don't have a point guard that can match up with Kimba. Just be honest. I mean, I like – Cardiac Dragic. Kimba. I like I like going Dragic a lot. And I like, you know, Kendrick. Number. No, they can't match up with Kimba. And then you look at Jalen Brown. I mean, who are – and you got Jason Tatum. You know, who are you going to Jimmy? – want to put Jimmy Butler on one of them, those two guys. And then I think the other guys, whoever you put them on, the other guys going to get off. Uh, I don't think. You know, Tyler Hera. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking I'm going to put Duncan Robinson on uh, Jalen Brown. <laughs> That's barbecue chicken. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, you got Andre he's got gotten, He's gotten older, you know. That I, man just I, came off the street. Yeah, I don't think you want him running around trying to guard Jason Tatum, who, you know, down the stretch this past season, well, this season, excuse me, Jason Tatum was averaging over 30 a game down the streets. The man was getting buckets. Like, the bag is is crazy. You know, the shot-making, the tough shot-making ability, the consistency, the shooting stroke. Jason Tatum was a monster. He's a problem. And when you got three guys, they have three guys that average over 20 points a game. And then, you know, they got Marcus Smart coming off the bench. They got Daniel Tice. You know, so they got a solid roster. I think they could very well come out of the East. Uh, so, you know, I could I could definitely see, you know, Miami come out of the East. It kind of depends on what matchup they get. So, if they they get the books in the conference finals, I would pick Miami. But uh, if they get the Celtics in the conference finals, I'm picking Boston, you know. So, it kind of depends on, you know, how they, you know, how they line up in terms of, you know, seating. I think that matters. Uh, but, you know, I think mean, they could definitely come out of the East.
0: Man, I'm honestly shocked. I'm shocked a little bit. You picked the Heat. Man, you know.
1: Well, hold on, hold on,
0: before you get started. I, didn't say <laughs> I'm
1: I said I can see them coming out of the East. But it depends on the matchup. I didn't say I'm just straight out picking.
0: Oh. I'm actually picking. out. Okay. It just depends on the matchup. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to lie. They are a little dark horse. Like, if, if they beat folks in the East and made it the finals, I really wouldn't be surprised. You know, I pretty much made it clear, you know, last episode how big of a fan of Jimmy Butler I am. And, you know, his game, like, dude, is a straight up dog. Like, you see just the impact he's had on this team right here. Like, that tells you everything just about, you know, the kind of guy he is. Uh, But I love the Heat roster. You know, they got Bam. You know, uh, Bam Adebayo came into his own this year and broke out. Uh, Tyler Hero. He showed he he got some heart. I think Jimmy Butler put a little heart in him, too. Not to mention, he got a clip. Dude can shoot the lights out. <laughs> Man, like a young Clay Thompson without the defense. <laughs> uh, you know, talked about Kendrick Nunn a little bit. He was he was working a little bit down there. Uh, Duncan Robinson, another young shooter they got out on the perimeter. Uh, you know, Goran Dragic, you know, he's not the guy he used to be. But, you know, he's still a good veteran, reliable point guard. And then, you know, you talked about guys like Iggy and Jay Crowder who bring that, you know, dog mentality you need on the team. And, you know, pairing that up with Jimmy Butler, you know, that's a pretty potent combination if you ask me. Because, you know, uh, like you said, I'm still not confident in Giannis and the books. Giannis has yet to show a consistent game, you know, within – seven, eight feet of the basket and don't even get me started on Chris Middleton last year in the conference final. <laughs> I mean dude went straight up Houdini last year. I don't even I don't even think he scored double digits half of the conference finals games last year. Like that's just how bad dude was. Uh but you know like you said my pick is still the Boston Celtics. Although I wouldn't be shocked if the heat came out I just don't think they match up well with the team like the Celtics. Like you said, Kemba Walker at point guard. We know what kind of guy he is, the type of scorer he is. You know, he's also clutched down the stretch. Jason Tatum, you know how big of a fan of him I am. Dude is crazy. (laughs) I think we saw, like you said, right before the league ended, like between these playoffs and next year, He's definitely, I think, in my opinion, going to cross that superstar threshold. Uh, you know, dude was going crazy, like possessed. Uh, Jalen Brown was having a breakout year, you know. We already knew what kind of athlete he was, but now he's added a handle to that, and he can shoot paired with Jason Tatum out on the perimeter. Like, that's that's a dangerous combo. And then people forget about Gordon Hayward. He's not the dude he was in Utah, but this season, finally healthy, he was definitely getting his groove back. So, you know, definitely don't sleep on Gordon Hayward. And then also you brought up Marcus Smart. You know, I think he's the best bench player off the bench in the league or at least, you know, the best glue guy for a team in the league. And probably, honestly, you know, even given his position – He's probably a top five defender in the league if we're being real. Like, dude is a dog, Uh, you know. So, like I said, I just don't see Miami matching up with the team like Boston. But, you know, like you said, the seedings can play out where Boston and, you know, Milwaukee meet up, conference semifinals. Milwaukee knocks out Boston. I can see the Heat beat Milwaukee. So, you know, we're just going to have to see how these games play out in or Orlando over the next few months, and you know, see how things go from there.
1: Yeah, definitely, bro. And I think, like I said, it just it all depends on the matchups
0: for sure. For sure. Well, bro, did you have anything else to add to this episode?
1: I do want to say Black Lives Matter, and you see, I got on a little hoodie, uh, that's where Breonna Taylor was murdered, so you know. Arrest the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor. That's really all I got to say.
0: On the real. Arrest the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor. Well, once again, we appreciate you all for rocking with us here at the first and foremost sports podcast. This is a wrap for episode 18. I am the one and only Quentin Douglas.
1: I'm the great one. the natural, Jimmy (laughs) Covington.
0: And that'll do it. We out. Thank y'all.